Good evening, everybody. As of this recording, it is Monday, July 15th, 2013, and we're back again after a couple of weeks off. This is the Jick and Mr. Skullhead show with Jick and Mr. Skullhead. I am Mr. Skullhead, and Jick is in an undisclosed location. I'm Jick, and Mr. Skullhead is in an uncivilized location. Uh, I thought you were going to say an unclothed location. Well, that's not really a location. I mean, for you, it's just a, it's just a state of mind. Yeah, it's oh, it's a state. It's a state it's of mind. It's an attribute of your character. It's a city state of mind. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. If if you were in like a nudist colony, would you describe it as an unclothed location? Mm-hmm. Although if you were in a nudist colony, you would describe it as a nightmare from which you wish you would awaken. Well, sure. I mean, because the only people who want to be in a nudist colony are the people that you do not want to see naked. Yeah. But uh, wait, there are people that you want to see naked? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, exactly one at a time. News. Like God intended. <laughs> you used to go to strip clubs back in the day. Yeah, I did. But if there was one where, like, two girls came out at the same time, you're like, yeah, that's... No, yep. no. Sin, sinner, sinner, sin. Yeah. That's how it goes. How's it going, Mr. Scullet? I feel like it's been forever since we spoke on the on the podcast. Ages. Simply ages. Um, yeah, we had a fantastical trip. Uh, I was... It could have gone either way, driving the, like, ten hours the first day and eight hours the second day with the child and the dog together in the car. Oh, but, I did not realize you yeah. took the dog with you on the road trip. Are you we crazy? Did. No. We just didn't want to spend the, like, $400 to board him for ten days, right? I thought you had roommates that would wash your dog and wipe its butt and stuff, or what, I don't know what you have to do with a dog. Right. Well, like, for cats, I would gladly just have somebody come over and throw some food in their bowl, because that's all you gotta do. But I didn't really want to lay down the responsibility of letting the dog out on our new roommate. We have a new roommate, by the way. We were empty for a month. But, uh... Man, you should get revolving doors. Well, you know, people tend to stay, like, six or eight months. We're kind of a a halfway house to maturity. I mean, I guess with... I guess with, like people in their 30s it's not like a it's not like a people in their 20s thing where you're gonna rent a room in a house and live there for five years yeah these the people that we rent to tend to be at the end of that phase or like the previous two girls that like they were 23 and after living in our house for eight months they decided they wanted to live somewhere more hip and groovy because we kept saying groovy were there people were they people that you knew or it was a girl that my wife worked with last summer. Okay. And then uh, her friend. So, like, they were Maybe they got fed cool. up with you constantly writing on their mirror, I know where you worked last summer. Right. Or, I know where you live. And they're like, eh, eh, you live as well also here, too. Mm-hmm. I know where we live. <laughs> the calls are coming from inside the house, because that's where I am. I know my ABCs. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was a good trip. The dog was super mellow in the car, and we didn't take any extra stops on his account. So, if you're going to take a trip with a dog, and uh, if you're going to take a trip with a kid, adding a dog doesn't add any time to the trip. Because the, 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 like, the bathroom stops that we took were usually for... Well, actually, they were usually for me. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We made good time. We had a good, we made and had a good time. 
I tend to only drive cars that get poor enough gas mileage that uh, the the piss pit stops are equivalent to the gas pit stops. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you just put a big gulp in each of you every time you stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just pictured you carrying like a big gulp full of gasoline to the car and putting like, yeah one a- big gulp full of gasoline and one big gulp full of piss. Oh man, I hope I don't mix those up. Yeah, be careful not to drink either of them. <laughs> well, it's like it, the big gulp is going to end up piss anyway. You might as oh, well. Oh sure. Just, if you're trying to be efficient on your road trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the coolest place in probably the the United States. That is What's that. That I want to bring everybody, specifically uh, like you and Roy and a couple, of, uh, like well everybody I know, but specifically you guys, I think would enjoy it. It's called the City Museum in St. Louis. Okay. And it's really hard to describe, but I've been trying to since we got back. So, you know, I kind of... It's this big building, like a 10-story building, that used to house a shoelace factory, among other things. So, you know, just like a big industrial space. So and they have like an, the aglet mill. And exactly. the aglet press and the aglet polisher mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, a bunch of artists bought the thing and just set about building crazy shit that you can climb around on oh so like you can the bottom two stories are made to look like a cave with all kinds of just secrets you can find if you're ducking around and tunnels that go up and around in random directions and like, you'll be looking around this, like, cave on the bottom floor and see a kid go crawling by to your right on something that's, like, shoulder height to you. And you can kind of follow it and see where it disappears into the wall and f- try and figure out how you would get over there. But anything that you can see, you can... You're like, anything that looks like you could climb on it, you're encouraged to. Hmm. So, uh, like, on the roof, they have a giant uh, domed building, and there is a kind of hidden path that once you get on it you can climb up the inside of the dome kind of bracing your back against these like rebar supports that they've made so it's a thing like they build things and then they come to the city of st louis and say hey we built this and we have like verified that it's safe we need you guys to to license it so it's kind of doing first and then asking permission mm-hmm. yeah that's easier like on the roof they hung a school bus halfway off of the roof on um, some kind of cantilever so that you can actually go into the bus and walk out to where you're not on the building anymore and jump up and down and have it bounce. And then uh, and then yeah, spent a I, shit I mean, ton of money clearing can, it. You can do that. I I don't know that you would. Oh, I was scared shitless, but you kind of have to. You know, when you're... Well, when you have your kid in tow as well and you're going, see, honey, it's... Don't... Don't be scared. Hold me. Right. And he's going, oh, this is great. But yeah, like, the whole front of the thing is a, like, system of stairs and ramps and twisty-turny spirals and shit, all built out of metal that you can climb around in and find places to slide down. And, like, they have a couple of airplanes, like, little passenger planes that they bought that they put into the whole maze. So it's just a place where you kind of go and climb around like you're on a jungle gym. All, like a really cool, artsy 
jungle gym where every there's just treasure everywhere. Super cool. They should uh, they should have some sort of a LARP. There should be yeah. RPG elements to this building. I'm already calling it. That's what I'm gonna think if I go there. Hmm. I'll bet we could uh, rent it out and use it for a LARP. I'll bet they would be yeah. down for that. On a lark. A lark larp. A lark larp. Where people sought out an ark. There is there's also a uh, ten story slide that spirals down from the roof inside the building all the way to the bottom. That's cool. Which then drops you into the cave that you're kind of crawling around in trying to figure a way out. I mean, parts of it were kind of terrifying for me as a, a claustrophobic big guy, but it was just so fucking cool. It, uh, it, how'd you find it out seemed about like this place? Um, somebody who works with Jess found it and said they just randomly happened upon it when they were in St. Louis and ended up spending two days there, and I absolutely think it could. Hmm. It's super tight. Like, their, uh, I, their website is not that impressive because I think it's so hard to describe what's going on. So they'll say, like, on the third floor, there's uh, the old shoelace factory, which doesn't tell you, like, once you've found the stairs that get you up there, you'll see a machine just, like, braiding together shoelaces. And that's cool, but then you'll turn the corner and there's 20 hundred other different things to look at. Hmm. It's fascinating. The rooftop is now open. I've learned that from their website. That was the the coolest part of it. Good view up there. And a full-size Ferris wheel just kind of hanging out. I just, I really admire the, I like the cut of the jib of the people who put this thing together. I think, like, what reminded me of you is, like, so there's this whole big thing that's kind of industrially banged together, welded together out of metal. There is not a single sign that says, watch your step or don't run, or don't, like, watch your head, or duck, you know, there's nothing hand-holdy about it at all, which was just super cool, it's like, how can this exist in the year 2013, that there can be this thing where you can have fun, and maybe get hurt if you're a dumbass? Do you Uh, have to sign a waiver? We thought it was great. Do you Do you have to sign a waiver to go in? We didn't, that was weird. Like, I don't even remember a sign that said, play at your own risk. Like, there was a thing at the front that said, there are no maps, keep an eye on your people, and, you know, like, play safely, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it, it amazes me that it hasn't been shut down yet. But maybe well, that's just a it is. credit. Right. Well, maybe that's just a credit to how carefully it's constructed to make it look like it's more dangerous than it is. Mm. Well, that sounds really great. Was that the purpose of your visit or did what, what, what all tell, tell us about your trip. Give us a travelogue. What? Uh, It was, uh, that was the midway point between Minneapolis and Ringgold, Georgia, which is where we were headed. So like the turning point in the Pacific theater. Yeah, that was the point at which there was no turning back. I mean, we could have turned back, but it would have been kind of lame and would have defeated the purpose of the trip. But yeah, so we knew that we wanted to stay somewhere around St. Louis for a night so that we could not drive 18 hours in a day. So 
we looked for hotels and then my wife found the city museum thing like so we took an extra day there to do it and then went to georgia to hang out with my sisters and nieces and nephews and parents and everybody you and the devil the devil yeah you and the devil went down to georgia was my joke Oh, I see. I thought you were making some weird comment about my my wife or my sister. I, I you and McGregor went down to Georgia. Ooh, Igby went down to Georgia. He was looking for a role to reprise. Hmm. I don't know if I can keep up with you. You're on fire. How is your family? Like the devil. No, I'm not <laughs> saying your family was like the devil. I'm saying I'm on fire like the devil. Or they like Olajuwon. They kept uh, offering me a fiddle of gold against my soul. Hmm. But I didn't want one because it would be really heavy and hard to play. I mean, are you sure it wasn't just tiny golden fiddles that they were giving out as party favors? No, I think I would have noticed. They at one point played... You told me and I forgot what the purpose of it was. Was there like a family reunion or something going on? Or did somebody get married or have a kid or something? No, it was just that... uh, my little sister lives there now, and my big sister decided to go there for her birthday. So, And you wanted to go down there to urge your little sister not to do like your big sister done. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, it was just a, most of my family's going to be there, and we're, you know, school's out for summer. Okay. So hopefully school is not out forever, because that is my wife's job. I wonder if the uh, shoelace factory employed an Alice Cooper. I hope so. I wish the word Alice meant something. I guess if you uh, made barrels shaped like dicks, you would be a phallus cooper. A phallus cooper, yeah. Or if you just, like, if you, uh, I guess the manufacturer of a jockstrap acts as a phallus cooper. Yeah, I think it, to be a cooper, you have to be making barrels, though. That's the no, thing. but I mean, you're also just like you're, you know. Oh, you're caging it. You're, them. You're cozying gotcha. it. Yeah. Okay, that took me a second. Yeah. Huh. We don't want to fall into some kind of cooper fallacy, though. That's true. Um, <laughs> Does this cooper seem a little fallacy to you? <laughs> I mean, you know me. Everything seems fallacy to me. <laughs> right. It's uh. Apparently, the only thing my mind's eye is capable of seeing, if you look at my artwork, is a dick eye. Yeah, just a dick, or some, or a dick or a vagina. That's it. A dick or a dick, or a vagina. <laughs> yep, that's about the proportion. With their tanks and their bombs and their bombs and their vaginas. <laughs> um, so what are you so been yeah, up to, you, man? You, dog, well, I'm. I, I, I oh yeah, you're not finished. Scared. No, you, uh. your your dog your dog was entirely okay in the car. I I didn't bring my cat with me on on my little excursion because I was afraid. In short, I was afraid. Hmm. In long, you were afraid that your cat would just randomly flip out and start clawing people. And that's the, that's the the second verse of that T. S. Eliot poem that people don't know. In short, I was afraid. In long, I was afraid. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was afraid that the cat would just flip out. I guess I... And I'm also sort of nervous about the idea... I know you can, like, sedate a cat for a trip, but I worry that my cat is so... Is, like, either so high-strung that a sedative wouldn't work or is so runty that a sedative would just be, like, a permanent sedative. Right. You know? And so I just... I don't know, I yeah. don't know how to approach that. 
has she gonna... been has she been in a car in forever? Like since the last time you moved? No. No. So it's it's probably been six years since she had a she had a car. <laughs> You're on. I mean she borrows mine on occasion. Right. But uh, it's like the insurance is just crazy. You get a, you get like a fourteen year old. It is it is amazing how much they will charge you. That is why your insurance is so crazy. Why do you yeah. have your cat listed as an yeah. additional driver? I, you know, just in case, like if something happens to me and I need a ride to the, I need a ride to some random location, probably at the bottom of a ravine. <laughs> she might have to drive. See, they've watched the documentary Toons is the cat who could drive a car, <laughs> yeah, and they understand exactly. that uh, the way a cat drives a car is poorly. Yes, one hundred percent of cases where a cat drives a car, the car ends up totaled to the bottom of a ravine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, I guess, since the last time we did a show, I drove to San Francisco and then set up house in San Francisco. Uh, by which I mean my collection of special edition DVDs of the Hugh Laurie Tour de Force house. You set up house by framing him for a crime he did not commit. Yes. Um, or house that movie with Richard Mall in it. <laughs> Um, did you ever see? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't like forget that that movie. Yeah. Also has William Cat, uh, the greatest American hero, and George Went of Cheers fame. Oh right, George Went. George Went is good. I mean, Richard Mall is the memorable one because it's like, oh, it's like a zombie version of Richard Mall, which is not a thing that you see every day unless I guess you watch House every day. And why would you really? So, there are some things about that movie that haunt me to this day. Yeah. Like, the girl, I, I remember a scene, and, I, and you know, like, the, this might have just built itself up in my memory and not even be anything like the original scene anymore, but I remember a scene where a woman ducks behind a table to pick something up, and for whatever reason, I feel like what she is ducking down to pick up is shotgun shells, but when she stands up, she is a horrible monster, and it is like something leaving view, leaving the, the, your field of view via the plane of this table, and then coming back, it turns into a monster as a result of the power of this house. Like, And that was fucking terrifying to me. Oh, man, you, you should see it again. You'll dispel that, that weight that you've been carrying around. I mean, I it, remember the monster they being They are ridiculous. S- I remember yeah. the monster being very silly, but just the mechanism by which the monster occurred, right? Like, the fact that there was this thing... The fact that it was dependent on his perspective, right? Like, the fact that this was a thing that was trying to kill him. It wasn't just a thing that was trying to kill everybody. Right. Or everything. Like, the fact that it was this targeted thing where it's like, we are going to show you the thing that will freak you out the most and make you the most uncertain about your safety. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I was really thinking about it that much or in that way when I was a kid and I am sure it would be super goofy but what like that was one of a handful of movies that I saw as a kid that like really honestly scared the shit out of me this is what I've been noticing though now that we're watching a bunch of movies for horror show that when you're a kid the movies that have a comedy element and a horror element to them you generally don't pick up on the horror element or, sorry, on the comedy element, because you're that's more sophisticated. So, like, most of that, the fact that this is supposed to be funny is going over your head, and you're just seeing the sheer terror of it. Is House supposed to be funny? I, I didn't. Yeah, House is, is really goofy. 
it, okay, I didn't know that it was deliberately. I mean, I remember there being like the stuffing the grenade inside the guy's rotten torso, which is another like classic movie moment. Right. Right? There's, there's, I feel like there's a lot of things to recommend this movie. Although, so maybe I shouldn't watch it again. Maybe I shouldn't ruin it for myself. Yeah, it's not, uh, I don't know. Matt and Adam really liked it still. I thought it, it was just a little too silly for me. There are some really cool, like, some cool stop-motion stuff and some neat costumes and things. But, uh, yeah, on the whole, Night of the Creeps was the same way, too, when I rewatched that. Like, I remember that just terrifying me when I was 11 or 12, and watching it again... Is that the one again, with the like, scene where a, a person explodes into a shower of leeches? It is, yeah. Okay. But watching it again, it's definitely done in the style of, like, 50s horror movies. So... It's got, it's like a kind of a pastiche and a parody. And I did not get that at all the first time through. But yeah, it was just silly, but it's super fun. I, um, I guess Hot Stuff a couple nights ago watched Cloak and Dagger again for the first time since childhood and said that it did not hold up. Was that the one with Gary Coleman? No, uh, it's got... Elliot from E.T. Uh, what's mm. like Henry Thomas. Um, right, and it's right. got a girl that I thought, in my mind, the girl in that movie is the little sister from Full House, but it's just totally not. <laughs> um, and Dabney Coleman as both his dad and as his like pen and paper spy role-playing game alter ego, Jack mm. Flack. And there's like an Atari game on which some secret data is encoded. And... He's, like, a kid who's all into spy fantasy and, like, the boy who cried wolf about there being conspiracies everywhere, and then he discovers a real conspiracy, and then dudes are trying to kill him. But he has a walkie-talkie. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Apparently, it's not as good as it was when we were kids. But what is, really? Yeah. So, yeah, we got, we got, uh, we got situated here. We got this apartment set up, and so I'm, I'm, uh a quasi resident of San Francisco now. I've got I've got uh, everything that I need to split my time between the two places. And that is pretty fucking exciting. Today, today when it was time for lunch, I went downstairs and I bought a head of lettuce and a tomato and a carrot and five mushrooms. And it was $2.16. And then I carried them up here and I cut them into pieces. And then I realized that my salad dressing had gone AWOL. So huh. I went downstairs again. And I had to go further to get salad dressing. But I did. And I walked back upstairs. I put some salad dressing on the salad. And I ate it. And I know that this is a really boring story. You don't like any of my stories that involve buying lettuce and then eating it? You characterize these stories as anti-stories or anti-conversation topics. You must, be talking to, you must be talking to our audience because I am riveted. Okay. Anyway, that was a thing that I did, and I really cannot express the extent to which that makes me happy. Like, right, right. having, like, the, like, oh, I don't have any lettuce, so rather than that being, like, a 10-minute drive, followed by going into a giant supermarket, and then a 10-minute drive back, it is seriously just right outside the door. And, man, does that make me happy. Well, you've been chasing that ideal of the walking city for a while. Yeah, I have. So I'm I'm pretty stoked here. There's there's been there's been stuff going on. At at a certain point, we needed to. Uh, well, we didn't need it. We were just angry about putting together tables from IKEA. Um, 
the tables are very inexpensive, but require you to put a lot of screws into particle board. Oh, yeah. And we were getting tired fingers and blisters and all of that stuff. And so, uh, and so Hot Stuff put out a call. On his apparently, like, having been in this fraternity at MIT, he just has people everywhere who, if he, say, sends a, uh, an email to the mailing list, says, hey, does anybody have a drill, like a, a power drill that we could borrow for putting together some stuff that requires a lot of screws? Somebody that he's never met before who lived a block away was like, yep, come on over. Just wow. got, a, got a power drill. So that was pretty fucking crazy. It kind of makes me wish that I was the kind of person that had ever belonged to any organization ever. <laughs> but that said, I wouldn't want to be a member of any organization that would have me, and so I've just never joined any organizations. Like, didn't we always say we wouldn't be any a member of any organization that would have our members? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would sever our members, I think, is what, right. we, is what we said, which is why I did never join any of your frats. Right. You know, your numerous frats. My numerous dick-cutting-off frats. Whose hazing rituals all involved dick-severing. Now, how... Actually, it was just dick-severing was the founding member of... Yeah, his name was Richard Severin, all right? It's... Yeah, okay. Now, why uh, would I join an organization where yeah. they'd no, cut that, off you know, your that... dick? Because when you're walking around naked, you want to just be flopping your dick at people. You know, Richard That's Severin uh, had a son who was a, a prodigious trumpet player who... who uh, took the name Severin's son uh, and the nickname Doc and became the uh, leader of Johnny Carson's band. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? The, the more you know. Um, so yeah, we got, you know, we, we, we just, there's a bunch of Ikea furnishings. That's okay. How do you, is there an Ikea in San Francisco? There is one across the bay. And the, the fact that we, the fact that I drove out here in the truck um, hmm. makes it so, you know, you just, you just go across the bridge. It's like, it's like, probably 15 minutes it i i want to say that it is faster to get from this apartment to that ikea than it is to get from my house to the ikea in phoenix probably and, it's got to be a shorter mileage mile yeah, log, right? yeah it is there is more uh there is a there is more of a toll because that's a thing that they don't do in phoenix no you don't need to you don't need to collect money to maintain the roads when there's no weather i guess yeah but uh but yeah, so I don't know. I I sort of did it in one trip, and I guess we had to get a mattress. It's been a while since I bought a mattress. There are a surprising number of free mattresses available if you are willing to carry a filthy, piss-soaked mattress from a random stretch of sidewalk to your apartment. Hmm. Um, I'm not though. Yeah, a lot of. Just a lot of piss everywhere. That's the disadvantage. So there's the there's the advantages of being in the city, which is that everything is real close, right? And you know, and you get a you get a lot of a broad cultural exposures. You know, you can walk down the street and you'll hear five or six different languages being spoken, and that is really cool to me. Um, I have not lived anywhere where there were Asians, and there are a lot of Asians here, so that's a thing. It's a whole new experience for me. I don't really know in what way it qualitatively changes my day to day experience. The, the the little market that is downstairs of us is called Miranchito uh, produce produce or whatever uh, comestibles uh-huh. your little comida. ranch Miranchito comida uh, is staffed entirely by sort of Middle Eastern guys in their early twenties clientele exclusively say fifty to sixty year old Asian women so what's that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whose ranchito is it? 
and why don't they speak their native tongue? Are they just trying to fit in? Maybe Mirantito means something completely different in in, in Asian, yeah. in Asian or, and in Middle Eastern, J- Japo Chinese Korean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's been just more or less like getting getting situated, getting the internet hooked up, which is a fucking travesty. That seemed to have taken some time, taken some time, and yep. is still it wasn't supposed to. Uh, we made arrangements to have it turned on when we got here, and then uh, turns out no, it'll be on five or six days after you get here. And then when it didn't work, it's like oh, well, it turns out nobody in this apartment has ever had this kind of internet, I guess. And hmm. uh, they sent a guy out five days later to hook it up, and now it it works, but it's slow as balls. We're looking at we're looking at other alternatives. We apparently. There is an awesome outfit here called Monkey Brains that does, like, line of sight wireless that is just crazy fast and not very expensive. Uh, But they will not let you put an antenna in a window. Like, you have to be able to put the antenna on the roof of your building. And the homeowners association of this building does not allow anything to be on the roof for whatever fucking reason. Hmm. I guess it's because they are all in love with shitty, shitty, shitty internet. So, what is the internet that's coming in? Is it a DSL or something? It is. Yeah, it's like AT and it's like AT and T DSL. Boo. You know, it's it works, right? I mean, I like I've lived with worse internet than this in the past, and it's not like you know we can watch Netflix, we can do whatever. It's just like whenever one of us is doing something, it gets real slow for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just like, you know, at the office or whatever, if somebody's like uploading something, you get a little bit of latency. But here, if somebody's uploading something, which almost never happens except when I have to publish a podcast or whatever, but it's it's just unusable. Right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get we'll we'll be all right. We'll it seems right. that that's your lot in life. It is. It is. To find a place where you're perfectly happy except for the quality of your internet. Yeah. But, hmm, yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been neat. Been, uh, you know, drinking some beers, eating some meals, a lot of salads made with ingredients purchased one minute before the salad got made. Right. I don't know why I'm so happy about that. I was hoping the end of that story was that you just peeled leaves of lettuce off and ate them, and then ate all of the carrots and and the tomato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just individually. Naked. Yeah. Or that you brought them all back to your apartment where your horse is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that, no, I, he likes apples. No, oh, right. Yeah. He's How a- does he like them apples? <laughs> um, we went to California Extreme this past weekend. That was pretty fun. Played a lot of video games and pinball machines. Drank some hmm. beers at an overpriced hotel bar. A, a quesadilla at an overpriced hotel bar. <laughs> a quesadilla some, bar? Got some free nuts. That wasn't overpriced. It was free. Um, yeah, well, so what else? What did you? Did anything happen prior to you leaving on your trip and after we? Because uh, we skipped one show because of me, and then one because of you, and then now we're back. So right, right. Were you doing anything during the you know say three three weeks ago period? Who could remember three weeks ago? That's so many weeks. 
How's your kid? Is he adorable? If I've done anything, he is adorable. Are there any interesting stories about your adorable kid from the last three weeks or so? I went to, I did go to a kid's birthday party yesterday with uh, a kid who was a bit of a card. And, uh, like an Orson Scott card in that he hated gays and wrote good books? Yeah, no, like a, like a race card. Oh, okay. He just kept playing himself. <laughs> just making you feel guilty? Yeah. Uh, this was a kid who was swinging on the monkey bars above the, the rest of the kids going, Look out, here comes a ginormous butt. It's a ginormous farting butt, here it comes. <laughs> and uh, climbed up on the monkey bars right above Ollie and said, I'm going to poop on you. And then got like a really serious face and said, actually, if I really wanted to poop on you right now, I could because I have a poop coming. Huh. I figured you would enjoy. Yeah, I like this kid. That kid. Who, and when uh, they, who was this kid raised by? Uh, wolves. Shit wolves. No, apparently uh, his parents weren't there, which was good because all of the parents were enjoying making fun of him. But uh, yeah, he was like the parents friends kid so they kind of had to invite him even though their daughter whose party it was didn't particularly like him <laughs> i mean what's not to like i know girls don't make any sense so for for about a day ollie was running around talking about boobs and farts and we oh wait was he talking in, about boobs put an end to that double quick yeah when uh, we started uh, inflating the water balloons for the kids he grabbed a couple of them and held them up to his chest was like check out my boobs well that's different that's different. I feel like pretending that you have boobs is different than... Oh, than, like, pointing at one of the moms and saying, Hey, look at those boobs. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, or, or I mean, I feel like it's almost worse to, like, interact with the other little girls talking about it, right? Like, Yeah, no. He, he did convince a... them to stick balloons down their shirts, to or their swimsuits to be boobs. I mean, that's, that's good. I mean, that just makes them look right, you know? <sighs> Yeah, he was a hoot. He grabbed a water balloon and, like, shook it in front of his crotch going, This is my weena weena. <laughs> I remember all of these things because I put a, uh, I was putting together a Google Doc as he was talking because I wanted to capture every single moment. Okay. This is my weena weena. It's full of sick. It's full of sick. What? Well, he had decided that the purple balloons were sick balloons. Okay, like so, uh, sick as in like a skater would describe something as sick? No, as in like if the water balloon game that they were playing was some kind of video game, the orange balloons were hot and the yellow balloons were healing and the purple balloons were sick. Oh. Yeah. Man, I like this kid. <laughs> right. He likes very simple, very straightforward video game mechanics and he likes talking about butts and boobs and farts. Right. Huh. He did put a couple of balloons down the back of his pants so he could talk about his butt cheeks and how he was going to explode them. Did he then sit on them and soak his pants with water? He smacked himself in the ass until they exploded. Okay, good. He was quite the kid. Huh. I mean, I guess when you don't have your parents around, you can act like as much of an asshole as you want. Right. Right, because I feel like... I... Not to, not to get into a discussion about like authority boundaries or whatever, but like, I I feel like I would be scared. Well, I feel like I wouldn't. I feel like I would get in trouble for yelling at other people's kids. 
Like, I feel like if somebody else's kid was bugging me and just wouldn't stop, like, I would eventually grab them by the shoulders and say, knock it off. (laughs) And then I feel like I would get in trouble. I feel like the, the kid's parents would probably yell at me for... A, manhandling their kid, and B, verbally abusing their kid. There was plenty of, all right, Dave, quit talking about boobs and farts, or you're not going to get any cake, you know. Followed by giving him some cake anyway. No, 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 he would stop then for a while. Okay. There, There was definitely, nobody was afraid to say, cut that shit out, Dave. But uh, I mean, I'm like sorry, I'm sorry grab Dave. Him by the I shoulders. can't allow you to talk about your weena weena right. anymore. Oh, weena weena. <laughs> That's full of sick. See, I'm surprised that, like, to me, the laugh line is if I wanted to poop on you for real, I could because I have a poop coming. <laughs> well, right. I mean, that that just seems uh, like a that just seems like a kid who's surprisingly in touch with his works. You know, <laughs> like I don't know that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess I was, I would never have described I have to poop as I have a poop coming as though I had some agency in it, right? Like, right. like there is definitely one on deck in case I wanted to get up to some mischief with it. <laughs> right. I mean, that kid's got some presence of mind. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm, I, I'm, I get nervous about, I get nervous about the idea of, of having a kid mostly because of having to interact with other people's kids. Like, I feel like if I had a kid. I, I would be fine, and that kid would be fine, you know? But I feel like a lot of what I did would probably horrify other parents, and a lot of the ways in which I decided to interact with other people's kids, which I'm assuming that I would be forced to interact with right. if I had a kid, would just would just make people mad or think that I was some kind of monster. Well, like, as a general rule, you can just ignore other people's kids. And, like, if they're... So if somebody's kid is all up on your business or on your kid's business and annoying you, either the parent is going to apologize and pull them away, or you can snap at them and you know tell them to fuck off. Better if you don't say fuck off, but yeah, that see if, that I have under control. That I I yeah. am super cognizant of at least well. So I, this is not to say that I don't sometimes make mistakes, but I. I I feel like more so than most people, I don't think that it is appropriate to swear around other people's kids. Mm-hmm. And I make a really conscious effort not to. In fact, just at the 4th of July, we were on the we were on the roof of this building to watch some fireworks on the 4th of July, and we met a bunch of the neighbors, and I sort of like, was like, guys, stop swearing loud. Like, we'd all been drinking. And I'm like, stop it, stop it. There are kids up here that we don't know. Stop, stop yelling fuck, please. You're embarrassing me, even though it had nothing to do with anything. Right. Like no, in in no world was anyone embarrassing me, but that's what it felt like because I was just like, oh god, this is just like watching somebody commit a crime, <laughs> you know. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I think we've talked about this before, but I mean, I know I I can rationalize it, right? Like I can explain why I don't think it's good to swear in front of other people's kids, but I don't know. I can't explain where it came from. Because I feel like I've believed it since before I, before the existing rationalization occurred to me, which is that swearing is okay, but not around people that you don't know whether they're okay with it or not. Yeah. And so it's important to teach kids that, that there are these different modes 
with people that are your people versus people that are not your people. And maybe that's, maybe that's just xenophobia, right? Maybe this is actually like a problem with me. Cause I feel like it is a problem with me. Like I'm a lot less civic minded than I am like tribal in a lot of ways in terms of like my responsibilities and, and you know, just the way that I think of people. Right. Right. There are like people who are like, all right, I will 100% implicitly trust you or there are people that I don't trust at all, right? And that's the, that's it. There are only those two gradients. And I end up with a lot of cognitive dissonance when people skirt the edges of that. But, yeah, I don't know. What's your, what's your take? I mean, do you, do you swear in front of your kid? Not on purpose. Sometimes, it, if I swear in front of him, it's either in the car and something happens in front of, you know, the, outside the car... Or it's I've been driven to exasperation and I don't even realize that I'm saying something that he shouldn't repeat. Hmm. For uh, for just about everybody I know, though, it's not an issue. Like, I don't run, but I, I don't run in a circle like the conservative Christian kids whose parents don't swear right. and wouldn't wouldn't understand that somebody slipped up. I mean, I won't swear in front of kids whose parents swear in front of them in front of me, right? Because, like, I feel like it is at least, it is important to, like, point out the existence of that level of decorum, if not to, like, really embrace it and live it. Right. Or at the very least to do no harm in that regard, you know? Sure. No, I agree. But, I, I mean, like, no one I have, that I spend any time with has ever been offended by an an accidental swear, but everybody is perfectly willing to adapt. So, you know, like, Matt just swears around his kids all the time. Yeah, and I was thinking... He doesn't give a fuck. But he won't swear around mine, because if I don't, you know, if I don't want Mm -hmm. him to. Because he wants your kid to learn that from his kid, not from him. Right, although his kids don't swear at all. Oh, yeah? He's a... It is a fascinating model. And I'm very interested to see how that kid turns out. Where, like, he's six years old and he's watching Piranha 3D and playing God of War. Mm-hmm. Like, the new God of War. And Ollie can... There are Disney movies that he can't watch because they're too scary. Yeah. So, you know, like... How much it, of that is, how much of that is creating a temperament and how much of it is reacting to a temperament? I'm willing to bet that they end up just about the same. The these two kids. Yeah. Because I think if your parents are on the ball and they're good people and they give you the tools that you need to deal with the world, then the media that you consume doesn't have anything to do with it really. And it's not going to hurt him to have seen like 20,000 fake murders by the time he's 12. Yeah, I wonder, you know, I mean, it seems like to me, people who acknowledge that there isn't really a definitive right way to parent, that mm. just, you know, consistency and reliability are pretty important. Right. More so than the nature of what you're being consistent with, right? Just like being a person who is not crazy and changing their mind about shit all the time. Right. I mean, it was, it was interesting. I saw something 
a study that was like sort of sort of counterfactual to the marshmallow study that was like the the you know the marshmallow study that I'm talking about right that like the, the like yeah. you, you know you can you can either have you can either eat this marshmallow but if you don't eat this marshmallow for 10 minutes we'll give you three marshmallows and the kids who ate the marshmallows didn't turn out to do as well in life you know just education and salary wise as as the kids who were able to delay that gratification but studies after that have shown that it is more about whether the kid has grown up in an environment where they trust the adult that those three marshmallows will actually show up. Yeah. yeah. And that to me seems like that's going to be a struggle for me, I think, because I am going to want to behave extremely consistently and I'm, I am going to want to never ever say something to a kid and then not do it. Right. Right. And I feel like that, that is going to be a thing that other people are going to try to talk me out of. And, and yet that is just crazy important to me. Well, but part of it is also showing your kid that you as a parent can be wrong as well and that that's okay. Like, and, and that you can change your mind and that's okay. Yeah. So, you know, if you come in and the kid is, you like think that he's done something wrong and you yell at him or, you know, you reprimand and then you find out that he didn't. You definitely want to apologize oh, and yeah. say, you know, like, I don't know, or even if, like, Papa decided that uh, that we're going to throw a toy away because you were being a total jerk, but we realized that that is not going to stop you from being a total jerk, so we're not going to throw the toy away, but we're going to try this other thing. Right. And for him to be able to see, like, oh, this guy makes mistakes but is willing to admit it, yeah, you know... My parents never did that, and I ended up okay, but I think it, it's a nice thing to for the kid to see. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad definitely, I can remember, I, I feel like maybe I didn't get so much of those overreactions and then apologies from my mom, because there were just fewer overreactions from my mom than there were from my dad, but... Sure. But, but it was very much like, if he said, don't do that again, or I'm going to make you sit here for 15 minutes without doing anything and then I did it again he would fucking do it you know and yeah that is the 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 one thing that is so important is definitely not the you don't want to be the parent who's going alright Johnny now if you do that one more time okay well you did it again but if you do it one more time or or saying shit like I swear to god if you do that one more time I'm gonna kick your teeth in yeah, because you're I mean, not gonna, or even like I'm gonna drive you to the hospital and leave you there because you're not gonna. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I always got threatened with being sold to the gypsies, but that was always. Yeah, if you know that's a joke. Yeah, it was though. always as a joke because it was always like if I, you know, just was not figuring something out or something, right? It was uh-huh. like it was like doing something deliberately wrong. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, I feel like it's your responsibility to mete out reasonable punishments. Right, and just don't don't make claims that you don't live up to. Like, I feel like that's just the worst lesson that you can teach a kid is like, oh yeah, when I say shit, I don't mean it. So that means yeah. when I tell you, don't walk that close to this fucking train tracks or you'll get hit by a train, you're not going to listen. It's going to be like the dare problem, right? Where it's like, oh, well, if everything they said about weed was a lie, give me the heroin. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Who knows, man? Who knows what's going to happen? 
maybe you are a perfectly good parent and your kid just turns out to be a fucking murderer. Probably doesn't happen all that often, but sometimes it does. Right. But at least there will be a murderer who is secure and confident and a critical thinker. Yep. And that'll be fine. Like that's all I have in, uh, that's all I have control of and that's the only goal that I have. Like secure, confident, critical thinker and kind. I, I you know, I, I guess yeah. I feel like that comes from being secure and confident and a critical thinker like I don't know that I have the requisite tools to teach someone how to be confident. Well, I don't have I don't have confidence either. But you just teach them how to fake it. Yeah, I mean I I, mean, I think that's actually the important thing you know unless i mean what if what if ollie turns out to be like good at football or something he just doesn't have to fake it and you'll just have no ability to relate to him at all yeah and then i'll have to have him talk to adam and just to have adam report like yeah he's doing fine yeah of course of course fuck all the cheerleaders what else are you gonna do (laughs) just make sure that you get him in the butt right so that so that it pleases the lord oh wait you don't really care for that do you Ah, uh, well. So, road trip, San Francisco, salad, parenting. You ready for uh, ready for the KOL segment of the show? Yeah, I'm set. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, Salty Sid writes in the forum thread for this week's Monday show. Hypothetically, if nobody had discovered the unlock for the optimal hot dog by the end of the month, what would you do? Do you think it's important to spoil all content of an item of the month before it is out of the store, or do you think it's more important to let the spades keep digging? By the way, I really love the hot dog vendor because it provides something for everyone and because I really enjoy clan-oriented goals. I I had a vague concern in the back of my mind that the optimal hot dog unlock would not get found, but I sort of trusted in statistics and it turned out okay. If it hadn't been found, I don't think that I would have... Like, it wouldn't have been an ideal situation for it to leave the store without people knowing what this thing was, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Like, I feel like it would have been a good enough story. It's like the kind of thing that I like to have happen in a system that I wouldn't have intervened to, like, artificially spoil it. You know, because it's one of those things where I don't feel like... Like... There were some people who were chafing at the idea that some of the some of the aspects of this thing were difficult to unlock. And yeah. and I just don't like if that makes you unhappy, this isn't a game that's going to make you happy because like to say I paid for this and I can't use all of it is is just I'm not going to go so far as to say that it is nonsense, but it is it is just kind of wrong-headed. Right, because it, you know, like I specifically said to one guy, if we had rolled this thing out with ten hot dogs in it instead of eleven, you wouldn't be complaining about how hard it was to unlock the eleventh one. So all we did was give you something that was above and beyond what would have been sufficient for this item, in a way that is interesting to us and maybe frustrating to some player sensibilities. But it's it's very easy to just think of that as challenging gravy rather than right rather than a prison around something that you paid for like the yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't get too deep into the into the conversation there but there was some real nasty entitlement spitting going on in there yeah it was not my favorite 
I deleted my forum bookmark for a while. Now it's still gone. I actually have to type in the URL when I want to go to the forums now so that it's not just sitting there reminding me, oh yeah, the forums exist. It'll probably come back. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, CD Moore got mad at me in that hot dog wrapper thread. And then I was like, eh, <laughs> I have been kind of... I, I don't know that I would say that I've been a dick in the forums, but I've just been cr- cranky. And, uh, and it was time to... I was. It was a frustrating couple of weeks when it was like there was all this stuff going on here, and it was like, you know, I was I was excited about life, but unable to work, which was really crippling to me, just psychologically. Right. Because I like working, and I don't like it when I don't like it when it's like, all right, well, today I should work on this. Oh wait, fuck! I don't have any fucking internet, so I can either like go to a cafe and work on my tiny laptop, maybe. But then I always feel like an asshole. I don't want to be one of those guys that sits at a cafe for like four hours working. At least you're not writing your screenplay. Like, you're already successful. I think you might be allowed to. Well, nobody nobody knows that to look at me, right? I mean, that's what I'm worried about. I'm not, I'm not worried about... Like, I know that if I go there and I like buy a meal and I'm not like actively taking up a table that a paying customer would be sitting at, that I'm not really costing them anything... It's just, it's just like, I don't know, I feel like it's loitering is a kind of a violation of the social contract. Hey. Either way. You know, I don't mind an hour or two, but beyond that, it gets, it gets a little weird. Unless you do it over a shift change, then it's all right. <laughs> so, it's bad because people notice? Yeah. As with everything, yeah, like if you don't get caught, then... Yeah, of course. It's fine. Although, the one, uh, the one cafe that I found here that's, that's pretty good... Uh, didn't have any uh, power outlets. I guess that's a way that they discourage people from staying there for too long. Which I wonder if that was conscious or not. So, that was good. I'm glad I don't have to do them. You know, it's nice to be able to go somewhere and, like, write for an hour at a time. I like that. Yeah. But having that be the only way that you can work. We, uh, you know, we lucked out being able to like just knowing the tiny spec guys and being able to being able to use that office for a couple of days to get the item of the month done. That was that was a godsend. That would have it would have it would have sucked so bad to have to do that on shitty cafe internet. Yeah. Like to fucking lug a scanner to Although I guess <laughs> I guess I could have like figured out what everything was going to be and then gone back to the house and done the art and then scanned it and then gone back to the cafe to upload it or whatever but it's like just Jesus Christ Uh, Blister Guy says Scully please tell us about your trip Jake please tell us about your trip and your troubles with internet connectivity that's already taken care of question done and done how do you feel the public spading of the hot dog stand is going have we been finding stuff faster or slower than you anticipated that's about right Uh, you know I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the optimal dog one Um, but everything else I figured would go about how it's gone I think it's neat. It's been fun to watch. Cannonfire 40 says, what was the process of where are we going to put all these items like? How did you decide where to put each hot dog item? You know, it was mostly like, so we we had a staff meeting where, well, so, all right, made a wiki thread. I was like, hey, everybody, propose uh, an item of the month for next month because we don't really have any ideas yet. And both you, Scully, and and Riff proposed something very similar, which was like, Yours was just a hot dog stand, and his was like a barbecue grill, right. like a clan barbecue grill. And I was like, "All right, that sounds good." So we we had a we had a conference call where we talked about it, and we figured out like, "Well, let's just, you know, 
at first it was like you know we went we went we we discussed a lot like how it was going to work mechanically there was there was I, I was sort of pushing for a thing where like instead of putting specific items in as a cost for each hot dog that there would be like there would be 10 items that you could put in to get like beef points and five items that you could put in to get spicy points or whatever and then the different hot dogs that came out of the stand were cost certain amounts of beef points and spicy points or whatever um and this is where we ended up landing the the idea that they were unlocked by other items that just became normal drops out in the world was i don't even remember who suggested that was the goo and hot stuff in tandem C.D. Moyer suggested the, like, finding a skull of an ancient hot dog chef that knew right. the secret of an old hot dog. And it was like, oh, okay, that's, yeah, all right. Now that you've given us one example, we can totally come up with 11 things like that. Um, assuming that there were going to be 11. Um, and then I made another thread, or maybe the same thread, that was just like, all right, everybody propose some hot dogs and how they get unlocked and what. Uh, what, item, what item unlocks them and what item they're made out of. And then just ended up using... I don't know if we use some of everybody's, like, I think we probably use some of some people's jokes. The, the debonair deboner was riff. What came out of, the, what came out of yours the, that actually went in there? I know there were, there were some. There was the Greg one on, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the three weird ones were, I think the three sort of hidden ones were all out of hot stuff's list. Um, and I but I think I think we used some of CD Moyers too. I don't remember. I don't remember if we used any of mine. <laughs> um but you know it was just like I, I just I was like, alright, this is what this is what I want you guys to do. Like name of the hot dog, what it does, what it's made out of, and what item unlocks it and where that item comes from. And they were all just like sort of Yeah, this is this is where these go, you know? Like that they, they were just they were sort of proposed based on the narrative, and then we made sure that that was a thing that made any kind of sense. Which, I mean, it's a little weird that there are, like, the five elemental dogs, and, you know, one of them is much harder to unlock than the others, for instance. But that's also all right, you know? I mean, because it's a thing that you only have to do once. And they yeah. are... It's not like... It's easy for people to think of these items as just hot dog keys, but they're not. They're all just things that are in the game now. You know, and so it's okay that they're not. So you should be thrilled balanced. that there are these new items that we put in yeah, there. Exactly. Uh, I think that's the proper response to any critique is you should be thrilled. Yeah, you should be happy that we did fucking anything today. Why are you not thrilled, mm-hmm. you assholes? Are uh, you not entertained? Let's see. Sporky McFork and Spoon's question I did get to on the Thursday show. Mythcaptor says, Do you ever intend to remove the notice posted on the fourth wall in the clan basement? It talks about the basement as being a new direction as an experiment. The dungeon is years old now. I think the no multis rule is important, but there aren't notices posted anywhere else. A rule could be abused around the kingdom. Uh, is the notice redundant at this point? Will it become relevant again if and when you implement another clan dungeon? Also, dare I ask, any news about a clan dungeon? Eh, maybe. Um, hmm. No, I don't. I, I like that that notice is there because I I feel in a way that, that clan dungeons are still more subject to changes as we need to make them than other places. And 
it is a very spe- it is a different kind of multi abuse rule there. And it's like yes, you're right. There aren't notices posted anywhere else a rule could be abused, but this is a place in which there are particularly compelling reasons to abuse the rule. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, just putting up a thing that's like, look, we are seriously not fucking around here. Don't do this. This is like a one strike and you're out thing. And, you know, all of the things that are in that notice are still true. So unless, you know, I, I might go in and edit out the new. Instead of saying this is a new direction, just say this is a direction. This is one yeah. direction that we are moving. This is an erection. And don't fuck up or you'll get five for fighting. Is five for fighting anything like One Direction? Is One Direction like little kids? One Direction is a boy band. Like a new kids on the block. Was five for fighting not really a boy band? I guess they were like a 98 degrees or a... No, five for fighting was the... They were a band band. Really? I thought they were... Yeah, I mean, they were a bunch of pussies, but they were a band band. But I thought they were like... I thought they were like character... Like they were... You know, there was like... The drunk pussy and the black pussy and the fat pussy, <laughs> you know, like skinny a- pussy, brown pussy, nether <laughs> pussy, naga hide pussy. No, that, I mean, find cheaper pussy anywhere. Fuck it. Was fi- was Five for Fighting not an assembled band that was made out of different demographic appealing characters, the way that like an In Sync or a a Backstreet Boys were? Apparently, it's just a guy. Oh. Five for Fighting is the stage name of American singer-songwriter John Andrasik. Oh. I assumed oh, it was five does. people. Was the Ben Folds Five also just Ben Folds? Mostly. The Ben Folds Five it was three dudes. Huh, okay. He just thought that the like Ben Folds Five sounds better than Ben Folds Three. Well, right. I mean, it makes him seem like he has a 40% larger folding capacity. Right. Uh, apparently, says Lord Bitchalot, you considered one of the aspects of the hot dog stand to be a dick move. Now that it's out and we found the majority of the dogs, would you mind elaborating? There's several mechanics and some are frustrating in different ways, so I'm curious which in particular you thought would be problematic, unless it was the optimal dog, in which case sadness and orphaned kittens. The original cost of the optimal dog was 100 tattered scraps instead of 25, yeah. and that was the that was the dick move. We, we changed the cost before it actually got found. Um because apparently he was joking when he wrote that it should cost 100 tattered scraps. And I was like, huh, okay, I don't give a fuck. Um, <clears throat> Wax says, I looked at the Smudork logging camp today and was sad to see that Smudorks read backwards is apparently no longer a joke of the zone like it was previously. Can you devise some way to add the missing S? Well, no, it's better if it's suggested. I, you know, I would change it to the Smudorks logging camp. Smut orcs apostrophe. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if there, if there's one complaint that people have had in the last few years, it's the smut orc logging camp does not have enough double entendre. Exactly. It's not filled. Although out. apparently, in many of the years that the smut orcs were mentioned and delivering something, people didn't catch on what it was. Oh sure. Yeah. You, I mean, like you don't. <laughs> Hardly <laughs> anybody would. Uh, Tyrone Jones says, are you attending San Diego Comic-Con? No, we're not. This is the first year we're not going in many years. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, mostly a relief to me. It's, it's sad in some ways, but it's just, it got, it got to be less and less of a thing that made any sense for us to be at. Given the, given the outlay. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, 
I don't know. If, if then we keep meeting people who are like, oh, yeah, I totally found KOL because I saw you four years in a row at San Diego Comic-Con and you had that brand recognition. <laughs> but for everybody who says that, there's somebody who's gone every year and picked up the Choose Your Own Adventure and has never discovered that we do anything else. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess, you know, I don't know if the Choose Your Own Adventure last year ended in a satisfying way or if it was just one of those things that ends because the next issue doesn't come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Scully, as a kid, oh, sorry, Scully, did your kid ever get into Dora or Diego? My boy is on a Diego craze right now. No, no. That sounds like a drug. My boy is on Diego craze. Yeah, there, I mean, the thing that you can do if you don't want your kids to be into stupid shit when they're little is don't show them it. Because there's plenty of other stuff to show them that is not stupid shit. Yeah. And, like, the Dora the Explorer and Diego and Thomas the Tank Engine and all that shit, it, it just ended up not being necessary. And so, like, instead of wanting Thomas the Tank Engine or Dora or Diego on all of his sheets and his clothes and his wallpaper and everything he owns, he just has a couple of other things that he likes. What is he? What is he particularly into? What has what has like really captured his imagination that you're aware of? He well, he likes Indiana Jones, which he has only encountered in uh, Potato Head and Lego form. Okay, but uh, like, there's a Lego Indiana Jones game that I played for a while, and and he watched. So he likes Indiana Jones. He likes. Um, in the past year, we've done some superheroes. So he's he likes Batman, Spider Man, Superman. But he hasn't he doesn't obsess like some kids do, and I don't know if that's anything we've done or just how he is. Hmm. He doesn't like clamor to have Spider Man on every shirt that he owns. I feel he like he actually asks, Can I please have some shirts that are just plain colors or, or just stripes? That's cool. I don't know that uh-huh. I got into any specific thing. Until I was, I know, maybe seven. Like, I remember mm. getting pretty into Conan the Barbarian <laughs> at, at seven. Which, which I think was just uh, me being interested in fantasy stuff. You know, but I don't, I don't really remember... Like, you know, I mean, I watched Sesame Street as a kid, but I don't remember there being that much, like, really commoditized kids stuff then. Right. When I was that young. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I always kind of take the, like, I feel like the way that Mr. Magnifico talks about having raised his daughters, which is mostly just like, oh, let's watch Beatles videos on YouTube when it's time to watch uh-huh. something entertaining with the kids. Like, I feel like there is there is so much good stuff that is at your fingertips on the internet that would be of interest to kids that, yeah, like, just don't show them stupid shit. Yeah, he has not seen an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, and you know, that's fantastic. See, that is what, like where I actually think that SpongeBob SquarePants is good, uh, and so I would not have a problem awful. with a kid getting into that. It's shrill and grotesque and stupid. Mm. Otherwise, it's fine. I mean, I you know, I don't like shrill and grotesque are not showstoppers for me. They're things that make it unpleasant for me to watch it with him. Yeah. And then the stupidity is just like, if he's going to be watching something that doesn't have any educational value, it should be something cool like Batman. <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess I just feel like with SpongeBob, there is there is a level of absurdity 
Because, you know, it, like everything, is written by adults. Yeah, but it is so fucking annoying. Hmm. I can't I can't stand it. So that was a we will make damn sure we don't introduce this to the boy because there's no way I'm sitting. Yeah, I guess through. at least until he's old enough that he can just watch stuff privately in his room. At which point right. it will be nothing but nothing but double penetration porn. Right. Now that's gonna be the thing later on to try and figure out how we explain the whole like Yeah, you should probably masturbate and that's fine, but I don't want you to get a warped idea about women. And you probably won't because we don't display that attitude anyway, but just in case... Uh, fuck it. I mean, I feel like that's maybe kind of a conversation that you just don't have. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like your parents thinking about that a lot and addressing it with you didn't accomplish a goddamn thing. <laughs> right. You know? Well, they were... They were the king swinging his sword at the sea. Yeah, I mean, they were coming at it from a They were trying to stop a teenager from masturbating. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Well, like, just trying to stop a teenager from masturbating is like trying to shave a cat. But also, like, you know, know, so there's that, and then there's helping a teenager masturbate, which is, like, obviously something that you don't do. So, uh, you know. That's a that's a weird thing. Like those things where I feel like in a lot of ways, like shame just sort of takes care of a lot of things for us. Yeah. Like if you are trying to operate in a in an entirely shame free environment, I don't know how you motivate anything. Hmm. And so it's. I mean, that was the thing. Like to me, shame was what stopped me from doing the wrong thing. It wasn't like punishment. It, you know, it wasn't like the threat of spanking or whatever, right? It was like not right. not wanting to be a disappointment. And, you know, you could probably argue that there are some psychological scars from that, but, like, it's turned out all right, I think, you know? I, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, that's the thing. Everybody has psychological scars. Yeah, it's like if it's not, so, if it's yeah, not yeah. that, it's going to be some fucking random thing that some girl at school does to you or whatever right it's like there's no if your parents praised you too much or they didn't praise you enough or you needed more you needed praise that some kids it would have been too much for but for you it was not enough (laughs) and like Mm. yeah that actually is one of the reasons that i'm a little more blasé about child raising is that he's gonna be fucked up in some way and he's gonna blame me so knowing that that is an eventuality just kind of makes me, yeah, not worry about right. it. We're already fucked. We might as well just have a good time. Yeah, it's like I'm going to do my best by him, but I don't have any expectation of him being like this perfectly happy, well-adjusted person because he would be the first one. Right. You're going to end up with neither of the two outcomes of Steve Martin's fantasies in the movie Parenthood. Of his oversensitive right, yeah, kid, right? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna get showered in praise at graduation, and you're not gonna get shot. Tickwith writes, "What do you know of the age distribution among your player base? Is it weird to think about making a game for people significantly younger than yourselves, significantly older?" I don't really know much about the age distribution. I mean, I think it is aging. The population is aging because of the you know the player base is becoming more and more people that have stuck with us for a long time. I mean. We are, I think, still generally just writing it for ourselves. And 
I mean, I guess as people around us have kids and start to talk about stuff, you know, like maybe this isn't appropriate for kids, we may or maybe are getting a little bit more careful about stuff, but maybe not. I don't know. Are we getting more careful about that stuff over time? Like, has has having a kid and having a lot of friends with kids, like, changed your perspective about what kind of stuff you want to put into the world? I feel like we were always so dorky about the stuff that we were putting out there that it wasn't, like, it wasn't ever, like, edgy, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no. No, I don't, I don't think that I've become more careful about that. I mean, I don't know that... Is it weird to think about making a game for people significantly younger than yourselves? Like, not really, because it doesn't... It wouldn't change anything. Yeah. You know, it's going to be people significantly younger than us who are also going to either get or not get song lyrics from the 80s inserted into sentences, making them slightly awkward. You know, like... Yeah. Uh, unrelatedly, as a Renaissance Fair performer for the past five years, I've had to learn improv insofar as, is, as it is a thing that can be learned. I was heading home from rehearsal the other day, listening to one of your podcasts, realizing that it is, at its heart, also improv. Do either of you have any experience with acting and or improv? How much do you think about the podcast as a performance? Is it clear you guys have a solid sense, or rather, it is clear that you guys have a solid sense of quality with regards there, too, but I was wondering if that stems from a general sense of doing things right or specific past experience. I, in my case, it is 100% just practice. Just not... You know, because I mean, I, I would... I listen to I don't I don't usually listen to this podcast in its entirety or the or the other KOL one but like advice hot dog and video games hot dog especially I listen to and then just sort of learn like all right well this didn't work when I did this and and even before that I mean I think it was just the years of just talking with this vague understanding in the back of your mind that somebody is listening and so you want to be you want to keep it going you know you don't want um 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 dead air so you try to avoid it, and you learn to you learn to lampshade it with a joke when it does happen or whatever, right? And that's. It, I think we both have maybe a natural ability to just kind of bullshit in an entertaining way, or to exhale uh, intriguingly, as Henry Rollins would say. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that; it was exhale mellifluous. I don't know something. Yeah, I mean, you exhale, exhale charismatically. You were, That's what we have. Uh, you were a drama nerd, right? So you did have acting training. Yeah, I'm a performer for life. I wouldn't say that I had. I mean, I took a an acting class, but I wouldn't say that I learned anything about acting from it. Yeah, because the the drama class at PHS was more about just fucking around and occasionally working on the costumes for the next show that that everybody was doing. Yeah. I mean, I guess... But I think we also learned from uh, just doing the live broadcast where we could see how many people were tuned in and they would give us feedback immediately. Yeah. You know, I remember at one point somebody saying, the more fun you're having, the less fun the listeners are having. And I disagree with that guy. Because I think that there is a there's yeah. definitely a balance there. But, uh, y- you know, so I think one thing that helped me a lot was uh, debate in high school. Like being forced to talk in front of people and kind of think on my feet. I don't, if I have to give a speech that I've prepared and practiced, I am crippled with anxiety, but I will get up in front of as large a crowd as you want to do Q and a, like that is just where I live is in reacting like that, as opposed to, as opposed to having to perform something. Cause I just, I fucking hate the 
the, just the idea of performing. I, and that's, that's I feel like, the, the sort of why I ended up where I did career-wise is because I very much enjoy entertaining people and performance is my least favorite thing. So I just want to uh-huh. kind of make stuff for other people to go through, you know? I, I took one improv workshop and it was awful and I was terrible at it because, and I, you know, I've talked about this recently where it's like, all right, well, you are, you are the principal of an, of an elementary school and the only thing happening in my mind is, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. This is a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. You're not a principal. You don't know anything about. You don't know anything about running an elementary school. You're not qualified to be here. Like, and, and it's like I. Kn- so it's the fear that you would feel if somebody had, somebody said, "Actually, you are going to be yeah, the principal." Right, and the meeting is about to start, and and I don't. I mean, I, I guess there is just this sort of like. I feel, for whatever reason, like successfully being an actor or successfully doing a performance, even even as a musician, you know, or as a stand-up comic, is it requires a guile that I just don't have. Like, I can't tell you a joke that I have told a hundred times as though this is the first time I've ever told this joke, and I feel like that is the skill in being a stand-up comic, or, you know, being the guy playing their hit song like I I can so sympathize with why bands don't want to play their popular songs at concerts because it's like what the fuck guys this doesn't mean anything it's been I've done it too many times right like this song meant something at exactly one moment and that was the moment at which I was writing it and if I'm lucky the moment at which I was recording it the first time but after that it's just it's just artifice and and I I just you know, and this is a this is a, like a, a sort of a difference in our approaches to perf- to consuming performances, which is there is there is something that performers can do that doesn't trigger that in me, that makes it so I appreciate different kinds of performances than you do. Well, like I'm willing to believe that somebody that a songwriter who's singing a song they wrote 20 years ago is in a way getting back into that headspace. So I don't think it's necessarily artifice if you can actually be transported by the music. Yeah. But since you don't believe that, you assume that they are they have to be faking it. Like any performer who seems really excited to be there has got to be faking it because how could they possibly? And I, I'm and I believe them. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing. I if the the one thing that puts me off the most about a performance is enthusiasm on the part of the performer. It's, you know, like a like a like a show tunes. Like a, like I feel like a Broadway musical is the worst thing, <laughs> right? Because it's like, all right, well, I'm singing this song that I don't give a shit about. I'm pretending to be somebody that I'm not. Yeah, it's rough. Um. <laughs> it, it really is just practice, though. I mean, I, I, we've we've done so much of this. And, and we also just, you know, the reason that we got into this line of work is because of the rapport that we had, you know, mostly in writing, but but also in, in speech. And, and <laughs> But, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ginormous, ginormous butt. Ginormous farting butt, wiener, wiener. Dars says, to each of you, what's your favorite joke you did in the last few months? Ugh, jeez, I don't know. Yeah, boy. I wrote one the other day in some unreleased content that I liked a lot, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I I did like the gray going on as the you know, gray poop on. 
Oh, you know, I was pretty happy with my message for when that triggers in combat. What does it smell like? But, of course. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty proud of that. Uh, does meat ever go bad? Does everyone carry around a steak knife to make change? No and no. Uh, Dar says, I have the Living of Love songs. You should nerf it. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I think level three of the video game dungeon is bugged. I get the underwater maze adventure on every single playthrough. I think there is something wrong with level three on there. Um, but that is all CD Moyer territory. Guy says, how does one or two pronounce monster manual? I can't decide between the obvious monster manual, the nearly identical monster manual. Oh, wait, monster manual, the nearly identical monster manual, and the rather gratuitous monster manuel. Manuel. It's definitely not monster manuel. Yeah, it's a too many A's. Yeah. Manuel. Manuel's fine. You don't have to say Manuel. I think I say Monster Manuel. But that's only when I forget. Like, what was that called? The flag has a weird name because it was just called something else. Until I turned it over to you for theming. I think it was just the monster, like the Book of Monsters or something. Hmm. Yeah, fuck, I don't remember. Uh, True says, I'd like to know what you guys have against listing things in alphabetical order. Ah, oh, man. Well, I should have prepared a, a sentence. it's kind of tricky. Uh, C, it's unnecessary. And B, it's a pain in the See, ass. See, that was improv. And three, it it's irrelevant. <laughs> hey, the dude, says Casey Wiederman. I know you both love what you do, but if you had to choose something else, what would it be? And then he guesses. Um... <laughs> that you would like to be an author of novels and I would like to be a mad wizard. Author of novels? I don't know. You, I, you know what I've landed on these days? Hmm. I would like to be a, a home renovator with a show on, like, HGTV. Okay. Just, like... And I know what show it would be, too. It would be me and Matt. And we would be, like, the nerd contractors. And we would go into people's houses that like oh your basement really sucks and your husband has a giant collection of anime like here's the like anime themed basement that we built with the tentacle bookcase to hold all of his videos and okay i think that would be really fun That's pretty cool because i'd i've not been happier in the past like five or six years in and then when i'm building something or putting in a floor hmm. yeah. i think that i could I imagine sometimes being a high school programming teacher because mm. that is a level of tech technical expertise if the ones in my experience are any example I can definitely pull off and huh. uh, and you know in high school and having a specifically technical uh, teaching job I feel like I could get away with not being particularly emotionally involved in it to the extent <laughs> to which you know I guess high school teachers are supposed to be relatable or whatever you wouldn't be the one that they came to after school and to tell you that they were thinking of losing their virginity but they were worried and so they wanted to no i mean i would be the one that three of them came to after school to say they were thinking about making a video game (laughs) can we use the lab like right yeah you know and that'd be fine uh Mythcaptor says, another question. The stocking mimic is one of the most expensive items of the month outside of the super early ones. You tend to periodically replicate item of the month mechanics in new ones as a service to new players. I'm not asking for a mimic clone per se, but would you consider adding a new familiar of similar relevance to meat and or item farming? I don't know how you would even make something similar to that. Because that shit is so crazy. Like, 
that is one of those. Is it the feeding mechanism and the no, no cap on the weight? I think it is. I think it is like shitting out candy over time, and then you can like run away from the fight and not spend the turn and still get this. Dude, I don't even fucking know. I I do know if if I were really hard pressed, I would ask Dev and they would explain to me what the deal is. But it's just that was just one of those things that got out of hand in terms of its power because it seemed was like the Viva La Mask or like the Bandersnatch where it's like eh this still doesn't seem like it does enough let's just keep throwing more things at it and then some combination of those things turns out to be busted or some future change makes the thing busted whatever Uh, Gordy says what are your feelings regarding redundancy of VIP clan furniture in multiple clans looking at previous furniture there was always the benefit of not having to jump from your preferred clan if it did have the furniture but I find myself seeing that that will very likely not be the case anymore due to the hot dog stand and the optimal dog um, if it's unlocked or truly is an ultra rare currently it seems like it would eventually be donated to a very public clan like BAFH and a lot of people outside would end up going there if they ever wanted to try the optimal dog before this, I could always be comfortable in my clan, not bothering to jump to any other clans to bother with VIP furniture, but I worry this may end up being the case with the hot dog stand, despite my clan having a hot dog stand already, due to the optimal dog's sheer rarity. It's not going to be that rare for that long. Like, it's going to be fine. It, to answer the question... I'll get, I'll get to the, the second part of the post later, but... What are your feelings regarding redundancy of VIP clan furniture in multiple clans? I try not to think about it. Like... I don't want to cripple the functionality of something because of the possibility. I mean, we talked about this every time that we talked about this item. It was like, well, what is to stop one? What is to stop us selling exactly one of these for thirty dollars, and then everyone in in the game being whitelisted to that clan and being able to use it? And the answer was, eh, that's just not going to happen, right? We don't need to like shit it up to stop that from happening because on its own it's probably not going to happen and we're going to be fine and I think that you're going to be fine you're going to like you would not have said if I had asked you a month ago hey man is a hockey stick like totally totally out of your reach you would have said no there's a lot of things that I could do to get a hockey stick I could farm meat for a long time I could donate a little bit and buy it in the mall I could trade for it do the whatever right ultra rares are not that big of a deal this one will not be that big of a deal once it's not new anymore like it's gonna be fine um he says if the optimal dog unlocker being an ultra rare is the dick move why the dick move on something that unlocks the full potential of an item of the month no less well because that item of the month is fine even without that aspect of its potential being unlocked it is only a certain way of thinking that makes that unlock a requirement to be able to derive any value from the item of the month. And two, that wasn't the dick move. The dick move was the cost. Because it's just sinking something that just sort of gets sunk by stuff that we don't really like. Um, And also, it was more of a dick move when it cost way more of them. RNG, he hate me, says, so are the skill revamps still not ready to be served? Are they back burner? Are they in cold storage? Or are they off the table entirely? Or perhaps there's some other food preparation analogy that I've not mentioned. Either way, can you talk about how the new design fits into your general game-making philosophy, maybe with some specific examples? Well, no, because most of it isn't done, right? Like, I have a pretty good idea of what the Seal Clubber one would be like, and vague ideas of what the other ones would be, but I haven't really done... I made a, I made a kind of a toy for saucer stuff, which I really, really like a lot, um, and I think is fun and cool. Uh, but it's not, it was not a comprehensively developed system. It was like, it was like a, a three hour lark that I went on one afternoon to just make something 
to dick around with. Um, so no, I will talk about them when there's more to talk about. Uh, Nightball says, when is the traveling trader going to come back to sell us various stains? <laughs> right. Um, huh, that was a weird sequence of uh, sequence of things. Uh, eventually, did you play through New Walking Dead yet? Thoughts? No, I have not yet played through it. I, uh, I picked it up, but I haven't, uh, I haven't had like an uninterrupted block of time to dedicate to that experience. Scully, you guys should do a Lovecraft week on Horror Show Hot Dog. Dunwich Horror, Reanimator, and uh, Dagon again. <laughs> I would watch Dagon again. Dagon was great. The uh, yeah, If we can find another one, another Lovecraft, Lovecraft doesn't really lend itself to film, or hasn't yet. But I'm sure there's something out there. And I didn't like Reanimator, though. I'm the only one ever who didn't like it. Uh, we can uh, we could do that. We can always argue about something if we one of us doesn't like it. Tom Sawyer says, Will hot dogs be served at this year's con? Uh, I think we tried to get hot dogs at the last con, but the food truck fell through a sinkhole in Guatemala. Also, they were Guatemalan hot dogs, so fuck knows what they were made of. That was such a great idea for uh, for the casino night, though. Yeah, that turned out really well. Yeah, it's just we there was we were we had initially lined up a hot dog truck and a creme brulee truck, uh, huh. and both of them Ew. both of them folded. Um, well, the creme brulee truck somebody pierced the exterior of the truck right, with a the fork and just collapsed. Also, do you eat hot dogs? And if so, is it the kosher all-beef ones or one of those mystery meat dogs? You know, I like a whole spectrum. I can totally deal with a cheap-ass grocery store brand, Frank, and I... And I you know, if I'm, if I'm buying hot dogs just for myself, right? If it's not for a barbecue or whatever, then I'll always get the Hebrew National, the, the good ones. Do you feel that there is a substantial difference between a hot dog and a bratwurst? To where you wouldn't describe a bratwurst as yeah, I, like a hot dog. I feel like a bratwurst is a lot more like traditional sausagey, where you can see the chunks of it, and there's visible there's visible fat particles in it, right? And a uh-huh. and a I don't know a hot dog like a hot dog to me is like a homogenized. It's like the Carl Budig meat of meat. <laughs> so it's the Carl Budig of sausage. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel like yeah, a, a hot dog and a bratwurst are just two very different things. Okay. Uh, Messiah eighty seven says, "So I was having this insane conversation with my friend about a parent's responsibility to know what their kid is playing when it comes to video games. I'm curious as to your opinions as game creators and parents. Hey, only one of us is parents. I came up with Schrodinger's responsibility. A parent can only do so much to watch over what their child is playing. There will always be some way in which a child can do something behind their parents' back. You can do a lot to watch over your kid, but as long as they don't know and can't know about something that needs your attention, it's not your responsibility until you find out. So until you find out and open the box, the child is doing something that is and is not your responsibility. Thoughts? (laughs) I... I think it's pretty easy to know what your kid is playing in your house when it comes to video games until they get, like, a job. Because somebody has to buy them, and if you're the one who's buying them, then you should know what they're playing. And if they want to play something that might, that gives you pause, you might play it with them, and then you would know, and then you could talk about it. I mean, until your kid has unfettered internet access on a computer, 
that's in a room that you're not going to be in all the time, which is then then just all bets are off, right? Yeah, but when, like when I think about the eleven year olds playing Call of Duty, like there is no reason why that should happen. You know, or a six year old playing God of War. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like if you're but if you're concerned with the media that your kid is consuming, I think at least as far as games go and at least for now, you can kind of control it. Yeah, I wonder. You know, God of War versus like Legend of Zelda, right? Uh explicit nature of, yeah like uh, better graphics sure I but guess. i mean it's just, it, like it's just the contemporary video game of the time right and we were allowed to play the contemporary video games of our time we were allowed to watch contemporary movies of our time well you weren't right um, and it like it is it is a little it's a little weird like i agree with you that i like i don't think that like god of war is appropriate for like an eight-year-old or whatever but i don't it's, I mean, part of that is when I play God of War, I end up feeling a little twitchy at some points, like just kind of overdosed on ultraviolence, yeah, like jabbing, like running a razor blade across an eyeball by pressing A or whatever. Yeah, I mean, not that I think that it's going to lead to people being violent in real life or any such bullshit. It, it just tweaks me man, out. On some maybe level. you can take the Mr. Magnifico approach to video games, also. And just not, like, when your kid is seven, you give him an Atari. Huh. Right? And then when your kid is ten, you give him a Nintendo, and you never let him leave your house. Right? Or, yeah. or look at anything. You never, no, no television. Like, you just, you basically just, like that Electric Sheep comic where a guy decides to live in the 50s. Um, mm. You just, yeah, you just, you just filter all culture so that your kid thinks it's the 80s. And then when he finally graduates from homeschool and goes out into a world filled with jetpacks and ubiquitous access to porn, it's just, it's like the matrix he just woke up from. And then, you know, that would not, that would not traumatize the kid at all. Like, I'm sure the kid would think that you were super cool for doing that to him. Yeah, that would be way better. I don't know, man. It's a weird world to be thinking about having a teenager in. Eh, they'll turn out okay. I mean, we you, always you, do. You just you like if you're a if you have a daughter, you don't want her to grow up to be a stripper, right? Or you know somebody who lets men ab- abuse her because she doesn't feel like she has self worth. If you're a if you have a son, you don't want him to grow up to be a douchebag who treats people like they have no worth. You know, and all the way up to uh, serial right, But you killer. also you don't know, want him to grow up to be a spineless pussy. Yeah, uh, that's another part of it, sure. I'm less concerned about that because I've done well as a spineless yeah, pussy. Sure. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. Elicordianachi says, I thought the whole point of jaw bruises was they were supposed to get more funny the more expensive they are. Color me crazy, but 12k in the mall just isn't that funny. Any plans to cut the drop rate or remove them entirely from the bindle stocking to increase their humor value? Also, you know what was funny? Me buying them in the mall for 100k after they launched, thinking they were going to stay rare. Ha <laughs> ha, thanks for the great game. Man, thanks for the thanks for the passive-aggressive compliments. Ba- I guess that's backhanded <laughs> and not passive-aggressive. Well, yeah, might have, uh, might have overdone that a little. 
I'm surprised that they're that cheap. That's still kind of expensive, though. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. We know what you think. All right. Well, I uh, have to pee. And hmm. we're out of questions. And it seems like maybe this is about the point at which we would stop doing... Yeah, we're over, we're over 90 minutes, which is our current level of achievement. Cool. Well, all right, kids. Um, we will see you next week. Please leave us some comments in the new forum thread that will go up after this one is all is done. Well? And thank you for listening. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I'm leaving. I'm Chick, and I'm already gone.